Ling with a fresh episode of the Sidelines Podcast. It is a cold, wintry evening here in Australia, and I'm joined by my handsome slash rugged looking man, my co host, AP. What a do! <laughs> What's going on, Cordae? Things. <laughs> I'm trying to throw curveballs at you with my intro to just keep you guessing. I'm too calm, too collected. Your fringe is popping up really high, though. You got a little bit of a Cameron Diaz. There's something about Mary Fringe going on. Uh, I don't think the I don't think the headphone band is helping at all. <laughs> it sort of made it go all funny. <laughs> um, but you're good, man. Yes, going well. Loving the the transition to the uh, the winter months, as is the way. Well, for guys like us with sloppy-ish rigs, actually, you got a fairly decent rig now. But you put a you put a lot of work into your body. Um, but (laughs) for for people like me, winter just provides an opportunity to wear thick clothing that hides what I'm like packing underneath, you know, coverage, coverage material. Yeah. Like winter is the man equivalent of the, when the push up bra hit the market, (laughs) like you are able to hide what is actually going on and no one's the wiser. I think I'm now ready for winter. I don't like the transition to winter because it's more just like. It's just frustration. It's like, I wasn't ready. You spend more time going, I wasn't ready. I don't want this to happen. When you're sort of in it, you're like, okay, I'm here now. Yeah. I've made my peace. For me, it's the inevitable, like these months just bring on weight gain. So how do I not let that become a thing? Like, how do I not let 2021 be defined by yet again, weight gain? (laughs) (laughs) This could be the year. Could all happen. (laughs) This could be the year. Just cold and shivering all night long and hope that the shivering just gets my reps up. So I'm just burning. I'm burning calories with the shivering. The math stacks up. I like it. (laughs) The math stacks up. It is a tactic. (laughs) Have you ever cried yourself to sleep? Rock hard abs the next morning. (laughs) But mate, what's been going on in the sporting world? Because I feel like we're... We bitched so much last year where there was not a lot going on. Like we struggled with stuff to talk about. And now it feels like I almost don't know everything that's going on because there's so much going on. We're inundated with things. It's too much. Uh, Look, the sporting world is always interesting, but I'd like to open up with the fact that the Bombers actually won (laughs) Anzac Day, which was a huge change. That is one of the pinnacles of the Australian sporting calendar every year. The Anzac Day football clash, Essendon Collingwood, packed MCG. What did we get there? Like ninety thousand? No, no. Oh, I think they hit seventy-eight, but I think that was more to do with um restrictions, a bit of restrictions and whatnot. One thing I do like every year doesn't matter what happens. Every year there's a commentary around should they give the Anzac Day clash to someone else? Yeah, that's always like okay, so. And look, I'm fortunate, but I'm a supporter. I'm in the Anzac Day Clash. Come at me. Uh, but <laughs> for everyone else, they also celebrate the Anzacs and they do the ceremonies, which is great. No one, like, other people can all rock up to the other games in droves. Like, mm. you're allowed to. You know, you can make a new sort of uh, tradition as such. Yes. Uh, the Melbourne-Richmond game, which, to be fair, I thought would have been packed. In terms of your marquee weekend uh, scheduling, you've got Melbourne vying to stamp their case that they're legit. Richmond being the Premier's 
Uh, yeah, no, that that's a much on paper that's a much better match than Essendon and Collingwood, except that's Essendon yep. and Collingwood. Fifty-eight thousand people rocked up on a Saturday night. Yeah, that should that really should have been more or as much as Collingwood uh, Essendon to at least make the case that way. True that, but both the fans of that team are very fair weather, and Richmond's had a few losses, so already the bandwagon. It's like our moments, NBA moments packs. There is a lot on the resale <laughs> marketplace. I mean, it doesn't, it's sort of in, you know, I will say that Kevin Sheedy did a great job. Uh, he was a marketing genius uh, when he sort of came up with all these different ideas. It was him as well with the dream time. Yeah, all these other teams could have done it, uh, but they didn't. And yeah. now, they, now they're great celebrations, but again, it doesn't stop people going to their own respective clubs. I mean, the four people who go to the Kangaroos game, I'm sure they enjoy it when they rock up. And if they were on an Anzac Day clash, it would be ruined. <laughs> I only just noticed you said the four people. <laughs> like, because the Kangas are coming down to Tassie this weekend to play Melbourne and cannot give those tickets away. And look, it is what it is. And, but it doesn't matter what happens. I think Collingwood and Essendon have proven that no matter their situation on the ladder, it will be a hundred percent max sellout. Yeah. And until proven otherwise, you don't change it. I actually love Dreamtime at the G. I think it's really good. I really like that one too. I think it's like it feels like the most genuine way that we celebrate such a massive part of Australia's culture and history. And we do it in and this might seem like the wrong way to describe it, but we just do it in a really like fucking cool way. Do you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I sit there and I watch and I'm like, this is done really, really well. Yeah, it's I not, really like it. It doesn't feel tokenistic. It doesn't feel forced. It feels like, right, how do we do this the best way possible? We do it like this? Cool. Then let's go and do it. And for those out there that don't know, it's the round dedicated to Indigenous Australians. Um, where we try and amplify Australia's real culture. And I just think it's something really awesome that we do really well. And equally, uh, Richmond and Essendon, we've had, I think, probably the highest percentage of Indigenous footballers. <clears throat> For a while we did. We've backed up yes. a little bit now. Um, I was going to say, my club... Fremantle, I would like to put on record. I think we hold the record for the most Indigenous boys playing at any given time and on a list. We definitely held it during the, uh, the 80s yeah. and 90s, though. Yeah. But yes. But look, the next bit that I want to talk about with uh, the football, we're back on the best topic ever, Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Look, don't want to harp on this one too much because people will think that we've only, we're a one-trick pony or a two-trick pony. But I'm struggling with Eddie because I just don't think he has realized that he's not the holder of the Collingwood bat phone anymore. <laughs> like, he just doesn't want to hand it over and he's not objective enough to sort of... Yeah, you know, just just take... You know, he's a media man. He's always been a media man. He's probably worse now than when he had the role. He's more defensive. Yeah, and because he's still got a platform as a sports commentator, he just can't help himself. Oh, it, it's the weirdest thing. It's, I, I actually think that he needs to have a sit down and go, I'm doing this all wrong. Once you're out of the club, you get your Hall of Fame marquee or whatever it is, and then you just throw them all under the bus. 
Yeah. The list management thing, not your idea. You just hired the list management guy. That was his thing. Yeah. You're doing other the, stuff. <laughs> what's the name of that little freckly weasel on Footy Classified? Is Sam whatever his name is? Uh, yes. Not Sam. Is it Sam? It is Sam. There's the hilarious clip where he makes this sort of passing comment about Collingwood's list management is a shambles, I think was the word he used. And Eddie just takes her bait. And he's just like, oh, I resent what you say. I, re- I really resent. And he's like, well, Eddie, it is. Come on, be real. And he's like, it's not. It's some of the most efficient. Like, and you sit there going, if Collingwood wasn't a Victorian club and a Victorian powerhouse, whatever that even means, one flag or two flags in 32 years, um, we wouldn't be tolerating like just this blind, almost indulgence of someone who has surpassed like reality, and whose tentacles reach just far too wide now. It it'll be like I'm trying to think of an equivalent because it's tricky with the way AFL's ownership works. But it'd be like Sir Alex Ferguson being forcibly removed from Manchester United. But then he's still the lead TV host on any EPL soccer show. He's the main EPL commentator. <laughs> and he also hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire <laughs> in, in the UK. And for those out there that don't know, yes, Collingwood's president or ex-president still hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, I just I just want him to give it up. But I'm... The other thing that I quite like about it, which is just Collingwood being... Collingwood's just the news cycle. After us beating yeah. them, uh, now it's all, is Buckley going to be the coach? Coach Buckley, blah, blah, blah. And look... Who was Eddie's Col- love baby? Collingwood aside, it doesn't... This is this is the carousel of the coaching world. When you're not winning, you're in the hot yep. seat. It's part of, yep. part of the job. Uh, I wouldn't particularly want to be the coach, to be fair. Uh, yeah. But look... The heat is on when you are the marquee Victorian club and you made some list management errors and it's, you know, your protection's gone with Eddie and no one just wants to talk about it. But to be honest, I love yeah. it. The more they talk about it, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen as a casual observer. It's just, just soaks up airways. The bombers aren't in the front page for a while. We just get to slip back in. Just, you know, we're doing... Everyone's like, oh, great real bit rebuild by bombers. Like, they've really hit the switch. Like, great young kids. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, go us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we'll carry on now. Uh, have fun, guys. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a strange thing. So, I mean, I, I feel sorry for coaches because also they're the free hit for the media, right? So, like, media... They, as much as they love reporting the news, there's one thing they love more, and that's influencing the news. So you have this situation where sports media, they're not going to go hard in the paint week after week to have a player delisted or sacked. So you're never going to see them put a blowtorch on week after week going, are you going to get rid of Gary Ablett? Are you going to get rid of Gary Ablett? So the coach is the free hit because they can get away with it. Yeah, it's a cheeky one. Yeah, like, and they do prey on the whole, it's true, the whole, like, watching a car crash. People love, people stop and watch when a car crashes into something, everyone gathers around. And an AFL coach is our sports car crash. And Nathan Buckley is the lead car crash in Australia. I like, part of me sort of wants to feel bad for him, but I kind of don't at all. But I just find, I find it odd that he's, 
for a guy who very directly says that his career is more than premierships, and I love that uh. attitude. You know, it's more than that. But he's also the only person who just answers that question that doesn't get asked. <laughs> That's true. Give respect that he answers something that no one else has the balls to answer. So he does that, but then he kind of goes that one step further when someone will be like, oh, hey, Bucks, you know, the players, you know, the list isn't going so well today. Uh, how'd it go? He's just like, my career is not defined by premierships. Yeah. It's like, uh, 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 I'm sorry, I, that wasn't the question that I was asking. He's like, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't measure success by success. Remember <laughs> <laughs> he did those Wolf Blast like, TV bits? And they ask him about leadership. And he's like, when I look back at my career, uh, if I haven't won the ultimate prize, I won't feel like I didn't win the ultimate prize. Imagine a coach in the US. Imagine, like, not so much Tom Thibodeau at the Knicks, but like... If any NBA coach come out and said that I'm not about winning, the ownership structure, and especially because the ownership structure is just, it's guys... Yeah, um, they just go. That's cool, man. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah, imagine, imagine Doc Rivers going. If I don't win a championship, oh wait, he won one with the Celtics. Who's a popular coach that is newish, newish. or has been around and hasn't won yet? Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Yeah, perfect. Great example. So successful team and has been thereabouts for a long time and has had a good roster. Imagine him coming out and going, "Uh, if." We don't win a championship. I will not look back and say that we haven't been successful. Like, winning a championship is not a successful career for me. That would just... I mean, imagine the... Boston, Boston's, Boston. Boston's not taking that in stride. Like, fair. Yeah. Fair call. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't do a Boston accent that well, and all my reference points are basically the departed and Peter... I was going to say, the only, the only guy, would, the, would the, owner just, the owner just get in Matt Damon and be like, what's the name of him? Who? Yeah. The Departed. Yeah. That fucking Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. That Brad Stevens. Yeah. The Departed. Hey, Brad Stevens. You fucking cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is just a weird thing. But it did. It does get me thinking. Like, they get hammered. Do you reckon, like, so Chris Scott said a while ago that an AFL coach, like, you know, I mean, you could create the analogy to another coach that a coach like a professional sports coach is the second most scrutinized profession in Australia. hundred percent next, next to politicians. And yeah, I actually agree with that. I think we've given up on politicians as a society, to be honest, because they're all shit, but we throw shit at a politician for anything now. Right. Yeah. But they're, they're better at the game than we are. They're used to playing in the mud. We just like to visit it every now and then. <laughs> yeah, they are wet weather footy specialists. <laughs> Contested ball inside midfielders who are all about Brownlow votes for themselves. <laughs> Look, I, it is. It's, it'd be a very, very hard job. And I would much... I ha- like, what's the price? Like, what's the price you think you'd be willing to accept on the check? Well, politicians here don't get paid that well, objectively, for the level of responsibility and scrutiny. But they make all their cash once they're gone. That's true. (laughs) Kevin Rudd, our beloved, wink, wink, Prime Minister, is now worth a fucking 
bomb. I think I think all the politicians are all on consortiums and boards and whatnot. So it's uh, yeah. There's a, a lot of one. yeah. There's a lot of shady like volunteer labor secretary <laughs> pre-career, post-career, six hundred million dollar net worth, <laughs> like, and no one can really figure out how, where, why. But anyway, we digress. For me, the price would be five million dollars per year. Per year. Per year. Because theoretically, I feel like my brain could only take it for two years. And I think 10 mil is a good way to disappear and start fresh. Mm. That's my price. How about you? I think I'd like to be in a little bit longer than two years. I'm also being realistic that any franchise left in my control, two years is right. I feel like you get your one year grace period as a new coach. Two years is when I've well and truly been exposed. <laughs> like, as just an absolute fraud. I think three years is a good number. I like three years. But I'd take the... I do like some kind of clever loaded contract thing. Yeah. Where not performance-based. Definitely not performance-based. <laughs> what, what do you think is the best... So, you know, we'll talk this on a, a few multiple fronts, but what is the best, I guess, behind behind the scenes position for Australian football clubs? How do you mean? Yeah, you know, president, CEO, list manager. Oh, president's media. definitely the best because you've got no actual responsibility. Mm, like the true. CEO, you've got the shitty job of trying to make money in and in, in an area that's already like messed up and restricted because of the way the AFL structured. Like the AFL will sign TV rice deals for a billion dollars and you've got football clubs going, oh, we posted a, a net profit of 160 grand. Like their the actual operating money that they have for such high profile things is bugger all. To so honest, CEOs are hard gigs. You got to extract that extra $2 out of a membership every year. I think I'd prefer, I wish that we had the, uh, the American model. And to be honest, most pro sports where there's a general manager, yeah, and he, you know the coach reports into him, and he goes and talks to like the president or the owners or whatever. Because we have like a G, some clubs have the like GM of footy, like general manager of footy. Yeah, but they don't code. do anything. But our league's so restrictive anyway. Like a GM in the states, you can just go and be like, Tony looked at me the wrong way. Fuck Tony's out of here, and you can trade him tomorrow. The AFL, it's like impossible to trade anybody. Yeah, so I want to be the GM. I'm the GM of a club. Because you just want to be able to sit and be like, there's not a lot I can do, guys. Doing the best I can. Yeah, that guy. And then I can, you know, like off how I played on PlayStation, and I raise the price of chips by like 50 cents. No, you know what would happen if you and I were given a franchise as GMs? It would be like that movie, Catch Me If You Can, with Leo DiCaprio. It's a series of lies, and eventually it would all catch up with us in the end. Yeah, Tom but... Hanks would eventually track us down, and we're gone. Yeah, but what a ride. It would be a ride. Can you imagine the carnage we would leave behind if we ran a club? Everyone would be demotivated. Nothing would have been done. No, I disagree. I think we'd go really well. I would have rebranded the joint, because that's about the only skill set I could genuinely offer. No, I think we'd we'd have some clever marketing ploys. Uh, questionable, but clever. We'd have the best club podcast. Yeah, we'd have some sweet merch, like non, 
you know, would be out getting all the American branded stuff and be like, everyone in the other AFL clubs would be going, oh, we want a bit of that and be like, <laughs> billion dollars. Yeah. We'd also be the only club where no one could really understand the merchandise like decisions. So whatever fads captured us for the month really like heavily influenced. So it'd be like, why has a pick a club, pick a club that we're running. We're running the Bulldogs. Running the Bulldogs. Why have the Western Bulldogs partnered with Ping to produce a series of drivers <laughs> and hybrids? Why have the Western Bulldogs partnered with the TV franchise Yellowstone to get Bulldogs merchandise product placed in Yellowstone episodes, including Yellowstone branded Bulldogs horse saddles? Like it would be that kind of shit. Missed opportunities. <laughs> but no, I think we got it. I think we'd be able to figure it out. But speaking of all the other dodgy GM moves, I've done a little bit of research. So the big one. Okay. The Super League. Oh, the Soccer Super League? Yes. Yeah. So. Which, which, which ended sort of as fast as it began, but I feel like the whole ending thing's a bit of a ruse that it's still there. No, I think it's probably ended now. I think the backlash is severe. It was severe. It was probably one of the coolest things I've actually seen. So for those who somehow missed it, like it was almost like a blink and you miss it. You really got to be sort of on, not really on point. It was definitely there. But what effectively 12 of the most profitable soccer clubs in Europe decided to tell FIFA and Champions League that we're on our own. We're doing our own thing. If you guys. We're yeah, sick of going home. We're sick of sharing money with shit clubs, so we're just going to have a... Oh, they said there's like a couple of like ring-ins, but we're sharing our money between ourselves. We'll give you guys some... We'll give you guys five cents on the dollar to keep you going. Uh, <laughs> but get around us. We'll sell our own rights. Um, we'll do our own scheduling. We'll keep our guys healthy. And okay, have a good one. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Which on paper, I actually didn't have a massive issue with it. I understood the backlash afterwards that, you know, that's not what soccer's about. And, you know, very, yeah, that's true. I th- I found it more hilarious that people were like getting around FIFA, which is opposite to history to date. <laughs> no, yeah, no one is about FIFA. Yeah. Like everyone's ignoring the fact that FIFA are the most corrupt sporting body on the planet. Hands down. Well, they got done. They literally got found out for being dodgy and they're just like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Well, oh, okay. Don't you don't you remember the Soccer World Cup, the famous one where Australia, we thought we were going to win it. Yeah, we're a lock. And, yeah, we're a lock. We got annihilated by Qatar, who apparently could convince the world that having a soccer tournament in the middle of summer in Qatar is a family-friendly, world-inducing event. But also... All of our, like, was it Frank Lowy, who's of Westfield fame, comes out and was like, oh, we were told by them these are the people we needed to bribe. We thought we'd bribed all the right people. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out we bribed some dude from, like, Barbados who said, oh, good, give me, like, eight mil and I'll bribe these two voting people and it's all good. Yeah, little did I know that we we were playing with Monopoly money compared to the... Qatarian area of the world. Imagine the Qatari guys are kind of bribes they're dredging up. We've got nothing on Australia's bribes of like 
Here's a free like tra- day pass to Great Barrier Reef cruise. I even remember like some of the stuff that the corporate sponsors of the FIFA World Cup, which from memory is definitely Coca Cola, and I can't remember which beer it is. Uh, is it Heineken? Yes, it is Heineken because they've also got Champions League. Yes, uh, they're Qatar's just like no, nah, not happening. Yeah, no Coca Cola, no Heineken, and they're like. Yeah, we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's what we touched on a few weeks ago. Big dick energy. That's big dick energy when you can tell FIFA. Mm, yeah, we don't agree with the morals of these products. They're not welcome. Okay. No, that's not big dick <laughs> energy. That's called big wallet energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy power. I'd like to at least entertain the thought and give it a try for a few weeks. Hey, look, at the end of the day, the Soccer World Cup being in Qatar, that gives Australia a real sniff to do damage because our boys are battle-hardened for 40-degree days. I there think some... you're forgetting that it's us playing soccer in the World Cup. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, it's okay, mate. Let it go. Right. <laughs> so you're going to make, I've decided we're making a Super League. Well, you're making okay. one first, and then I'll make okay. one. Are we in the same Super League as rival franchises or I've got to create my own? No, you're doing your own first and then okay. I'll give up on my idea if yours is real good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing it and how are you getting across and which league are you going to pilfer from? Of sport? Yep. So I battled with this. I battled with it because... There were like working examples of it, like where I looked at tennis and you had like the Masters. Remember the ten? Is this tennis Masters still a thing? You know, the ATP like Masters. The, yeah, we're like only the top eight or 16 players or whatever get an invite. That's still there. <clears throat> there are a few of those things. I was fooling around with golf and I couldn't make it work. And then hilariously, I thought, how would I do it in basketball? And I was like, oh, wait, it kind of already is that because there are six franchises that have all the power and gobble up all the good players and everyone else is just there for the hell of it. So you answered your own question by having all the franchises and leagues in the world doing it already for you? Pretty much. And then I thought, okay, what's something that needs it? I thought boxing needs it because boxing has like 900 different associations and groups that like, and just nothing happens. I don't think boxing needs a super league. Boxing needs a league. Just league. Yeah, just a league. Like one dude um, to say, you're fighting a guy. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so to be honest, man, I actually really struggled with the concept. I couldn't in my head, like come up with something that's funny, but also logical. How about you? I think you could just simply just, you know, it's it's simple. You just do, like, I'm surprised Eddie hasn't suggested that the Victorian clubs just do their own little side tournament. Well, it's because they need all the other clubs to actually make money. Yep, yeah, do they? Do they really? Well, everybody, so being that I'm a West Australian and you're a Victorian, I, like my state, we naturally loathe Victorians with the way the AFL's run. I think you and I get along because you're now in one of the teams that's like lesser on the privilege scale to some of the other Victorian clubs. <clears throat> That'd be fair. We're still going all right. Yeah, you're still going all right. But you're not like Richmond where you never have to leave Victoria. 
You're not yeah. playing at the MCG every week. We've always, tra- I think, for the most part, we've always traditionally travelled. We always go over. Du- yeah. We always seem to go to WA. We're always playing in Brizzy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when people say like, "Oh yeah, but you joined the VFL," this blah blah, like everyone forgets that the VFL was about to go into administration. They needed the South Australian and WA clubs to actually get it back making money. So the model only worked once you brought in those states. The one thing that I thought is is the only way you do a Super League in Australia is proper state of origin footy. Yeah, and they're never going to do it because they... <clears throat> no, it's too high risk. Well, let's just say they did. That would be sick. As a West Australian, I mean... We've missed our little window because a few years back when you would have had like peak Buddy Franklin, Josh Kennedy as our full forwards, all of that stuff, we would have just been absolutely fizzing. I think they should just do it like the IPL. Like when the IPL came out, everyone was like, this is the stupidest thing. There's no <laughs> way this There's no way this is going to be a thing. And then yep. you had the other ones going, it's going to wreck cricket. Turns out, do you know what cricket is like? Making more money. Yes. And yes. I cannot disagree with them. And what do they get money for? Bowling faster and heating longer in a shorter yeah. amount of time. So, like, where the only way you could do it, so say basketball, you could do it where you had four franchises and, or say six, and it was three on three tournament. Then you could get some traction. So imagine a franchise where you've got private ownership, they're bidding for players the way they do in the IPL, which is for cricket out there for our North American and mostly European listeners, um, where you're bidding on players to go to a franchise. That would be cool, and I'd I'd watch that. Where you've got like Mark Cuban going cool, the salary cap is ten million for this two week tournament, and I'm gonna bid for KD and LeBron. That's the type of stuff that would make a cool Super League, and then they play a month three on three tournament. But Rutgers style, where it's like hood ball. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want an arena. I want like a dirty open air court packed to the brim. And it's not well work health and safety up to code with how many people there are around the court. Yeah. And like, look, not to think about it too much because I didn't put that much thought into it. But if you were actually to do it, there has to be some incentive where people want to play it. But let's just assume yeah. they're going to. Because I'd love to sit there yeah. and say, I love the idea of like mini tournaments and stuff where teams play in it and they might get a, a bonus for the year or, you know, in the the MLB, they do that good thing where they do the all-star game and the winner of the all-star game, that that um division gets home field advantage. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Like I kind of like that kind of stuff where it's like not really that much, like it's a bit of a difference, but it's not so massive. Like, oh, if you win, if Essendon win this, play-in tournament, they get an extra million dollars on the salary yeah. cap for the year. The only issue you're dealing with is like the AFL is not an equitable league anymore. And the reason the Super League thing and the Champions League works in Europe is because you're dealing with different countries. Mm. Like Super League doesn't work in the States for basketball because it's just teams. Whereas... Champions League, you're dealing with actual countries. Like you've got English teams, Italian teams, French teams, German teams, Spanish teams, and they've got big wallets. But the talent pool is all the same. All right, so we need some work on their Super League. <laughs> yeah, we didn't think this through. 
But I feel like we've logically worked through something for once versus throwing shit at something and not having to justify our opinions. No, we never have to justify opinions. That's a sucker's game. <laughs> what about like a UFC Super League where like it's like knockout tournament fighting but franchises poach like three fighters per franchise and then you have to like nominate your fighter to go up? No, you get like you have you have one national you have one or two national guys in the UFC and you're allowed to draft one for free. That's cool. So we'd have to pair Australia and New Zealand together. Because yeah. then we get Izzy Adesanya. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm okay with that play. <laughs> we'll bring Mark Hunt out of retirement, even though he's like forty eight and hundred and seventy five kilos now. <laughs> no, nah, the UFC Super League within UFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so what else then my man uh, the other one the other big sporting one again it's, it's a very odd kind of week because there's this whole money grab going on I can't quite put my finger on it but golf has got the purse for the greater good what the hell is that they got a, seen this. they got a 40 million a year loose prize pool where they give it to Individuals in golf who help promote the game. What does that even mean? I don't really know. So I think the idea is that if, if for example, uh, Bryson rocks up to a tournament and brings the big crowd, they're allowed to give him like a side check. Ah, uh, okay. Which kind of makes sense because he does bring in a crowd even though he's not winning all the time. Yeah, so I'm not, I don't know how the maths work on it. Uh, I feel like it's real shooting from the hip because uh, I think what it'll do is they'll do stuff like once Tiger's back walking around, if Tiger just decides to go to a tournament for the weekend and be around, they'll probably just give him a side check. Yeah, that or it also feels like a shameless, oh shit, Tiger is going to retire soon and we do not have someone that drags in oceans of people like him anymore. And look, I, and again, I don't really know. Uh, I th- would would have to say I haven't looked into it too much, but golfers, I wouldn't say, are typically like dominant beasts on Instagram. No, they're not. Like Bryson's pretty thirsty on Ricky Fowler's thirsty on Instagram. Ricky's, Ricky's like not even the top hundred. Like he's done. Yeah, I feel like his shine's worn off. Everyone's just realized, oh wow, you're and thirst. You're like the Kardashian of golf. But yeah, but yeah, like I said. I think they're trying to incentivize the guys to get around social media to yeah, be more like, socially so then they can be like, I'm playing this weekend. Come. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, different strategy. Yeah. It's it's a bit weird, isn't it? I think it's just weird because it's golf. Like golf's never, golf's never cared. Golf's just golf. Yeah, and golf's one of those sports, you're right. It just doesn't attract, like, alpha psychos. It attracts, like, robots. <laughs> they, I think they are not concerned, but I think there's a bit of an issue with uh, youth coming into golf because it's still... Yep. Golf was always historically seen as a very exclusive sport. I We spoke about this a month or so ago too, where like golf's automatically back of the pack because like the youth today are so obsessed with hype and cool factor and golf requires far too much patience. It's a, it's a long day. Yeah. It's, let's just call it's, it five hours. It's like test cricket. 
Yeah. You have to be a purist yeah. to really dine on it. And kids are either going to love it or they're not. That's it. There's no in-between. Whereas, you know, you can go have a quick shot of basketball. Oh, I want to go play golf. Oh, we live in the city. Oh, we're going to drive to a golf course. Oh, that's yeah. expensive. Ugh. Yeah. And But I also like... But it's part of it. It's part of the charm of golf. So you either like it or you don't. Exactly. I like golf because it's the peace and quiet. I don't want to watch golf and have to listen to like, you know, a pit bull song playing as someone's walking up to the tee, getting ready to tee off. I don't want that. I want strobe lights and golf's all of a sudden played at like nighttime with an illuminated arena. But the the other thing is with the costing is like obviously originally it was in Scotland where it got developed and invented, but it used to be affordable for everyone. Yeah. So everyone used to be able to afford to go play it. Now it is, you know, everyone wants a better golf course. You're going to put more money in. becomes more expensive, exclusive. Yeah. All these things keep ratcheting up. And that's just, you just inadvertently knock out a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And because land has become a valuable commodity, all of a sudden space, you've got to charge a premium if you want that inner city golf course. Yeah. So look, the big takeaway from this is when I go on the big Instagram uh, spiel to get people to follow me. So to increase my base from 100 to 115, uh, (laughs) it's all going to be about this PGA long play where they can get me to come in and play knowing I'm shit, but I'm the everyman and I can get a bit of that 40 mil side check. (laughs) Is it ambitious? I think I'm a chance. I would love to see Thirsty AP on Insta. I don't even know what it would be. I don't even know how to. I don't yeah. even know how to log into my Instagram half the time. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to do it. Golf's uh, look. I don't think it's in trouble. Golf's I never going to be in trouble, but it's going to just be what it is. Correct. And we're so obsessed with like what's next that we're trying to what's next golf. And I don't even think golf really cares. They're just trying to care. Yeah, it's big, It's also the back end, not to get to corporate life, but corporate life of if you suddenly run a sporting organization, whether it be the PGA, the NBA, soccer, FIFA, whatever, you come in, your first thing, you, again, you can't come in and say premierships is not what we're about. You can't come in yeah. and go, actually, we're, we're tracking really good. Numbers are, I just got in the seat. I don't think we need to rock the boat too much. I think we just ride this one out. <laughs> Everyone involved is like, oh my God, did that guy just say that? He's supposed to say, 10%, we're getting more. Do you think someone at the PGA recently watched Happy Gilmore on Netflix and was like, he's bringing in the crowds and he's coming 28th. <laughs> and it's just sort of like planted a thought in their head of like, how do we do that? More novelty checks. Yeah, so then the 40 mil incentivizes like crazy units to to come and play golf or to people to act more crazy even if they're not winning. Yeah, it's just never it's just also never going to happen. Again, I don't know the play. I'm interested to see it's going to work out. Uh it'll be all I those mean, it'll be all the guys that are a bit different like your Bryson, guys like Ricky, guys like Bubba, just a bit different. Cam Smith. <laughs> Cambo's making some runs. But I mean, like, Mark Leishman, when he wore the fake mullet, like, you know, they're paired up. Mark Leishman, the other Aussie, puts a fake mullet on. They're wearing matching outfits. So it's like the Australian version of Step Brothers. <laughs> they, they looked amazing. 
But the other, and you, but the, to go on that, you just know Leishman doesn't know how to. He doesn't use his phone. Yeah, he's not. But, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, don't tell me that's them reacting to this ridiculous, like, incentivized pool of cash. No. Oh, that'd make me cringe if it was, because I like to think that that's just classic Aussie behaviour. Nah. It hasn't even been released yet. They're not doing that. Have the faith, Cordo. Well, you're the one that brought it all up. I feel like our episode was funny, and then now that's come and just, like, make me sad. Maybe something good could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you and I get a gig on the tour, because they're like, these weird cats do a podcast. I'm fairly certain they've Rick. got a low level of self-respect. They'll do anything for money. <laughs> That's a good play. I like it. I can start plugging like COVID vaccines, foot inserts, just random shit. <laughs> That's what I worry like these golfers will become. Like Ricky Fowler's set the standard for just shamelessly selling yourself despite results. No, nah, the best is Phil. Phil's got very obscure sponsors now. That's Phil. <laughs> yes, we talked about this. KPMG KPM. and Workday. HR software and a consulting firm. It doesn't belong in a golf uniform at all. I love it. And then I looked back at, like, I was watching him in the Masters. Oh, God. I can't remember. It was Bubba's first one. Was that 03 or something? It's a while ago no, now. I can't really remember yeah. that far. Anyway. And Phil was rocking KPMG in his hat then. I'm like, man, big checks. That's big. That's Qatar FIFA money. <laughs> Qatar FIFA money. Phil was probably involved in the Qatar bid. Anyway, I think that's all we got <laughs> rants on. My man, thank you. Nah, thanks, Cordo. Folks, thanks very much for listening in again. The sidelines.com.au is where you will find our website that has every episode easily scrollable and available for play. Don't forget at the Sidelines Media, get on our Instagram, send us negative feedback. We love it. Send us nudes. We're all about that culture. Um, we're trying to become incentivized PGA Instagrammers now to get access to that 40 million dollar pool. <laughs> AP. Cordo, <laughs> <Good>, thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks, folks. See you later. <laughs>